All right, everybody, welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. I'm your host, Matt Mingus. I uh, hope everybody had a great week, and uh, I think we got another good topic for you this week. Uh, joining us this week, we got the president of Tennessee 811, Mr. Bill Turner. Bill, how you doing, man? Doing great. Hope you're doing well. Oh, man, I'm doing good. Um, well, um, you know, this week we're talking a little bit about the dig law and the enforcement board and, and what goes on in the state of Tennessee when it comes to damage prevention and, and, and whatnot. But uh, before we, we jump into that, I'd, I'd love to just get a little background on you, man. Uh, where you're from, how you came to work at Tennessee 811 and, and so whatnot. All right. Well, I've been doing this for almost 34 years. Uh, my dad worked for AT&T when I was a kid, and uh, so that's probably what got it in my blood of uh, working with utilities and excavators is uh, my background with him. Uh, I worked for a contractor uh, for several years when I was in high school and into college and got my start in the one call industry in 1987, working for Pennsylvania One Call. Uh, worked there for almost three years. And then got an opportunity to come to Tennessee in 1990 to run the Tennessee operation uh, under a vendor relationship. I did that for five years, and uh, the board of Tennessee 811 decided to take the operation in house in 1995. And I've been the executive director, president, CEO since 1995. Wow, 95. Damn, <laughs> I didn't realize it'd been that long. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost, I'm approaching 34 years in this industry. Seems like a yeah. lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, so in, in that time, uh, and I think it's been since 95, you know, the dig law in Tennessee's changed quite a bit. Uh, Absolutely. So, so just give me some background on the dig law when it kind of, first came into effect and then kind of a little bit of where it's gotten to now, how it's kind of changed up a little bit. Sure. Uh, Tennessee was kind of unique. Uh, the, the first uh, damage prevention law passed in 1978. Uh, and, and in 1978, we had a law, but we didn't even have a one call yet. Uh, the one call didn't start up until 1983. So we had a legislation that said you had to call before you dig, but there's really no place to call before you dig until 1983. Uh, and since 1978, uh, we've progressed and improved the legislation. It's been amended several times over the years. Uh, Typically, it's driven by the industry and the needs, uh, what helps promote damage prevention. I remember back in the 90s, uh, there was a push to get mandatory membership. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get all operators to endorse that. And so we started with mandatory membership just for the gas industry. And since then, it's progressed uh, to mandatory membership for all utilities. Okay. Yeah, I, that's... um. I guess a common theme. I know other states are struggling with that too, trying to get mandatory membership. And it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing that we have it here in Tennessee. It is a, it's a huge benefit to, to us as excavators to, to have, to be able to, you know, make sure everybody gets out there and marks. Absolutely. It, it was, it was a process. Um, as, as legislative changes are, uh, when we, we first started trying to get mandatory membership in the 2009, 2010 year. And, uh, and it took us a few years to finally get it. And what, what helped us is getting all the 
stakeholders, all the utility representatives representing all the, the industries to agree that damage prevention is one utility neutral. It's, it's not more important for one utility over another utility. It should be important to all utilities. And, uh, and it's a shared responsibility. All, all operators, whether you're gas, electric, water, sewer, uh, it's a shared responsibility. We're, we're out there to protect those underground facilities from being damaged. So it was a process uh, that it took us a little bit of time, but we finally got there that uh, the operators finally realized that it should be utility neutral. All should be participating. Yeah, and it, it's an awesome thing to have. And, and as excavators for us, it's a safety thing. You know, I know natural gas gets a lot of headlines because it can go boom when something happens. But yes. all the utilities present their own safety hazard if you were to get into one. You know, water can cause a trench to collapse on you. Electric can fry you. You know, it. it you know, sewer can transmit disease. So, uh, you know, it, they're all have different safety hazards. So it's it's wonderful for us. Um yeah, and to, with, to have with that. what we've gone through for the last year with COVID, telecommunications has become uh, potentially life-threatening when you talk about 911 centers. But just from a, a way of doing business, so many people are working from home now that if they lose their bandwidth or their connection, then then they don't work that day. So, yeah, they're all equally important. Absolutely. All right, so where in the, in, on, along this process did uh, the enforcement board come from and where did those, when did those changes start? Cause I know the enforcement board is, uh, you know, something that we deal with, you know, all the time now. And, and I think a lot of people don't quite know a lot about it. So kind of where, where did that process start? Several years ago, uh, under the federal DOT, there's a, there's a, an organization called FEMSA and it stands for pipeline and hazardous material safety administration. Um, they had come out with some guidelines, and this is probably around the 2009-2010 timeframe. They had come out with some guidelines on effective damage prevention. What promotes effective damage prevention? And uh, and uh, a few of those items in that guideline was enforcement. And then the creation of an advisory board or an enforcement board type mechanism. And the, the purpose of that was to establish a level playing field for all those that are involved, whether you're an excavator, a designer, a utility operator, but a, a place where uh, if somebody had a dispute about a damage, they could send it to this enforcement board that was equally represented uh, that it could be heard at. And so based on those guidelines that were established by FEMSA, that's what drove us to change our legislation to create this advisory board or this enforcement board. Uh, that was a process. We started that in 2011 timeframe and finally got it passed in 2015 uh, that we created the enforcement board. And, um, and we've made some additional changes since 2015. We had an amendment in 2018, and we currently have an amendment in the legislature right now to make some additional improvements. Um, so that's where that came from, and uh, and it's worked out well. Uh, again, it's it's equal representation. We have excavators on that enforcement board. We have uh, all industry types of rep of uh, utility operators, in addition to some governmental type representatives. 
Yep. Um, okay. Uh, and so how'd the board get set up? You know, I know, and, and how's, how's it work? I guess, you know, it's, uh, cause I know you got the board and then the executive committee. And mm-hmm. so who, who kind of does what part of it? The board was created by that 2015 legislative change. Uh, and originally it, it, it had established for 16 representatives on that board. Uh, the, the amendment that we proposed in 2018 that got passed, we actually added one additional representative. Uh, those representatives uh, that are on the enforcement board are appointed by either the governor, uh, the lieutenant governor, or the speaker of the house, uh, depending on which category they represent. Uh, so they're appointed to that enforcement board. There's one representative that's an ex officio member that's not appointed, and that's the the Tennessee 811 representative, which currently is myself. Uh, so it's a 17-member board, again, made up of all the utility industries, uh, excavators, and some governmentals. We also have a uh, contract locate representative that's on that enforcement board. Um, how it works is is the enforcement board meets uh, typically quarterly. Uh, the enforcement board itself, their function is to analyze the data from the the violations that come in uh, to to review that information. We also establish rules that the enforcement board will will run by. And then probably one of the most important things that they do is they take that data, uh, they take that information that's gathered from these uh, complaints and or violations, and they propose legislative improvements for the future. So that's what we've done the last few years is based on data that's been collected, uh, we've turned that into improvements in the legislation that we then propose to the legislature and and do the work necessary to try to improve the, the law. The executive committee, uh, which is a three-member uh, board uh, of representatives, it has an excavator representative, a governmental representative, and a utility representative. Uh, they typically meet once a month, and they're the sounding board. They're the ones that are presented uh, the, the complaints and or violations. Um, that process, uh, complaints are reported to the Tennessee Public Utility Commission. Part of their responsibility to the enforcement board is to do the administrative responsibilities and also investigate the complaints that are presented to them. So on a monthly basis, uh, they they uh, present their findings of these complaints that have been filed to the executive committee. The executive committee hears those cases. They determine if it's a violation or not a violation. And then once it's a violation, then they move forward with uh, the next step. Okay. So, uh, so when you speak of a violation, who can turn in a violation and how would someone go about turning in a violation to the enforcement board? That's the beauty of what we've created, uh, with this, uh, uh enforcement program is anyone, anyone can turn in a complaint. Um, we get complaints from operators, obviously, for excavators that haven't called before you before they dug. Uh, we get complaints from excavators of a utility that maybe didn't mark or didn't mark correctly. Uh, we've even gotten complaints uh, from homeowners that have had work done and, and somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do, didn't call first or didn't mark their underground facility. So 
So it's an equal playing field. Anybody that's involved can formalize and present one of these complaints uh, to the Tennessee Public Utility Commission that ultimately will be investigated and then reported uh, to the executive committee of the enforcement board. Okay. What's the next step if you if you report a violation uh, and and someone uh, you know it goes to the to the to TPUC to be investigated? Mm-hmm. How how is the investigation handled? Is it is it the enforcement board that makes those calls and investigates, or is that done by TPUC? The uh, some would someone would go on uh, the Tennessee public uh, Tennessee Public Utility Commission's website. They would formalize a complaint. Uh, the more detail that that person can give about the complaint, the better. Once Tennessee Public Utility Commission, TPUC, once they receive the complaint, uh, they'll start an investigative process. They'll take the documentation that is provided by the person making the complaint, and then they'll contact the person that the complaint is against, get their side of the story. They'll tabulate all that information uh, as the investigation moves forward. And then that's what would be presented to the executive committee, both sides of the story. Um, if if someone's found in violation and they still don't agree, then they can come before a hearing officer and they can present their case to the executive committee. But after the complaint is investigated and it's reported to the executive committee, they make a determination if it's a violation or not a violation. But there's still an additional step that if somebody doesn't agree with that outcome, they can come and they can defend their position in person to a hearing officer. Okay. All right. Um, so assuming, you know, we go through the process person that had the violation, uh, filed against them was found to be in violation. What happens to said person or company at that point? The, uh, the first violation, uh, under the law is mandatory training. Um, <clears throat> If they're found in violation and it's their first violation, uh, then they go through violator training. Currently, the violator training is presented and provided by Tennessee 811. Uh, we make it uh, very easy for the folks to go through it. We offer the class at least a minimum of twice per month. Uh, and since coronavirus, uh, that's been authorized to do that uh, via online. Uh, prior to COVID, it was a uh, it was mandatory that they had to do it in person. But with uh, the coronavirus uh, epidemic that we're going through uh, since April of 2020, we've been providing the uh, the violator training online. And because it's that way, we've been offering it much more frequent than we did the in person. So that's first violation, mandatory training. Second violation is mandatory training and a civil penalty up to $2,500. The executive committee has the option of uh, recommending a $2,500 civil penalty or something less. Uh, Typically, if it's a second violation, uh, they do a little bit less than a $2,500. Third violation, again, is mandatory training and up to $2,500 civil penalty. Uh, the only addition to the $2,500 is if somebody is found to be in gross negligence, uh, willful, wanton uh, violation, then they can be charged up to $5,000 uh, civil penalty for that fee or for that violation. Okay. Sorry. 
Okay. Well, I, I like the fact that the first step is is training, you know, giving people an opportunity to understand what they did wrong and correct it and, and move forward. Uh, so I, I like that. I mean, that, yeah, that was, that was a goal from day one is, is we didn't, we didn't want to penalize somebody financially. We just wanted to make them smarter and better. And we felt like that for first violation, if we, if we put them in training and try to make them smarter and better and more aware of what they're supposed to be doing, we'd get a lot more leverage out of that than just hitting them in their pocketbook. Now, if that doesn't do it and there's a second, a third, a fourth violation, then maybe hitting them in the pocketbook is, uh, maybe we'll get their attention. Sure. Yeah. If someone's just completely ignoring the process, you gotta, you gotta do something to make them pay attention. So it's, uh, I, I can understand that. Absolutely. So who, who does the program apply to? Is it just, is it just folks in the construction industry or can, is any, can anybody be turned into violation or be found in violation of the law? Absolutely. Uh, again, it's uh, our, our goal was to create an equal playing field. So uh, if you're an excavator, um, you can be found in violation or you can provide or present a, a complaint against somebody else that didn't do their job. Um, prior to creating this enforcement board, that was a big complaint that we used to get uh, from from the excavating community was, well, the, the law is there to protect the utilities. It's not there to protect the excavator. And that's what we've done with this law is it's an equal playing field. If, if you're an excavator and you've done everything that you were supposed to do, you've called 811, you've given the proper notice, uh, you've respected the marks and you've dug with care and something wasn't marked or it wasn't marked correctly, you now have recourse. You can provide or present a complaint against whoever didn't do their part of the job. Uh, rightfully so on the other side, if a utility is damaged or they find out about an excavator that didn't call before they dug and potentially hit their facility or nearly hit their facility, they've got a mechanism now to file a complaint. Uh, as I said earlier, homeowners, we've gotten some complaints uh, from homeowners. Uh, so it's there for everybody, uh, whether you're a governmental utility, a utility operator, excavator, designer, engineer, homeowner, it's, it's built for everybody's benefit. All right. So since the beginning of the program and the enforcement board and, and what they've been doing, what are some stats and trends that you guys have seen that have helped kind of shape the changes in the law? And, and, you know, one of the big arguments I always hear is that, you know, contractors are just out there just tearing stuff up. Is there any evidence that, it's not always a contractor's fault. Uh, you know, that's been the greatest thing or one of the good things about this enforcement board is uh, we've got data um, by virtue of people submitting complaints and, and uh, having violations. We've got data now before it was kind of hearsay. We didn't know uh, who was doing what uh, we've, we've got in our law mandatory damage reporting uh, if somebody is damaged, they have to report the damage, but that's only for a damage. So if there was a near miss or somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do, a lot of times we didn't get that information. So part of this is data collection. We're actually getting good information. Um, the uh, I, I can tell you that in the very beginning of the program, 2016 timeframe, when we started getting complaints, uh, in the 30 to 35% success ratio, meaning um, 
for every 10 complaints we got, about 30% of them, 35% of them were found to be in violation. And I explain that by saying, as much as we train people how to provide a complaint, how to submit a complaint, they just weren't giving enough good information, good detail. So it's so important to provide drawings, pictures, documentation when you're submitting that. And so that was in the beginning of the program. Since, uh, if you look at 2020, even 2021, uh, our success ratio is in the 75 to 80%. So of every 10 violations or complaints we get, seven to eight of them are found in violation. So that tells me that one, people have learned how to submit complaints. They've learned to provide good documentation, but they know they're better aware of what is a violation. Uh, they're not just submitting junk into the system, but they're actually submitting real violations that need to be heard by the uh, executive committee. Um, the, the other interesting thing from a from a data standpoint, um, the number one violation that we've had since since we've been doing this uh, or complaint that results in a violation is not calling 811, which goes along with all the national statistics that if somebody doesn't pick up the phone or go online and submit that notification, they have got a much larger likelihood of damaging something or being found in violation. So historically, since we've been doing this, the number one leading cause of a violation is not calling 811. The second leading cause is digging in the tolerance zone, not respecting the marks. So uh, it because we now have that data and we have an awareness of what's causing these violations, it allows us at Tennessee 811 to change our marketing and public outreach to center on those two things. We've always talked about call before you dig and the importance, but now we can put a little more emphasis on the importance of it. And we've got data to back that up. And then with the second most popular violation being tolerance zone, now we can change our marketing material and our education programs to really emphasize on the importance of not digging within that tolerance zone, respecting those marks. So the data that we've collected over the last few years has really helped us as 811 in promoting and educating people as we're out there on what's causing damages or what's causing violations. So the data is, is priceless. That's awesome. Um, so let me ask you this. When we're talking about violations, and you said this earlier, and it, and it kind of popped into my head, um, you know, there does there have to be a damage to a facility to be in violation of the law? Absolutely not. Uh, that's, that's a big misconception. A lot of people think that you have to damage something to be found in violation of the law. That is absolutely not true. Um, you could not call 811 uh, and not damage a facility, but you're still in violation of the law because the law says you have to call 811 before you dig. So uh, it's a big misconception. A lot of people think that you have to damage something to be found in violation, and that is absolutely not true. Uh, any violation of the law, not calling, not marking, uh, uh, digging within the tolerance zone, all those are violations. Doesn't have to result in a damage to be found in violation. 
Okay. Yep. And that, and that, that was my understanding of it. And like you said, that's a misconception I hear a yeah. lot. And Absolutely. You know, the law says you have to call 811 before you dig. If you don't call 811 and then dig and don't damage anything or don't have any issues, that's still a violation of the law. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So. And then when we talk about folks that are, you know, out there tearing stuff up without calling, I think they clearly need some training. So, yes. Know. <laughs> well, you know, not to, uh, uh, not to butter you up, but, you know, team construction has, uh, since its inception, had a very strong opinion of damage prevention. I think that's why you guys do so well uh, is uh, there is no tolerance for not calling. Um, I know that uh, more and more companies have have taken on your uh, perspective of damage prevention. So uh, you guys should uh, be congratulated for your approach and your demand of your people to, to call 811 before they dig. Yeah, well, we appreciate that, man. It's been a, it's been a journey for team construction in the damage prevention world. You know, my dad was on the Tennessee 811 board for, yep. for, for a long time. And now, mm-hmm. now I have the, 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 the opportunity to sit on that board and, and, and influence what Tennessee 811 does and, and, you know, educating and, and directing damage prevention. And it's really awesome thing to be able to sit at that table with you and people from all the utilities across the state and and come together and do and you know it it seems to be in my opinion a fair conversation about the best interest of damage prevention i don't i've said this before i don't ever feel like as the excavator representative my voice isn't heard you know i feel like when i speak up at that table the utilities are listening and it's just a i think that's one of the reasons in my opinion as the state of Tennessee, we're in a good place when it comes to damage prevention and our dig law and, and the things that are happening because people are willing to listen and, 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 you know, and to, to all sides. And I think that's just yep. the key. Everybody's got to be heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a shared responsibility and all players need to be heard and respected. Yep. 100%. All right, man. Well, I'm out of questions for you. Do you got anything you wanted to add on? that uh maybe i didn't hit on no i i really appreciate this opportunity um uh you know the the nuka chapter here in middle tennessee has just done great great things and i know you've been a an important part of that so i i thank you for your uh, support and dedication to making them good uh, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk about damage prevention uh, again done it for 34 years it's in me it's part of me it's my passion so Anytime I get the chance to do something like this, uh, I really enjoy it. So thank you. Well, man, we appreciate you coming on, Bill. All right, Matt. All right. A big thanks again to Bill. He's left the recording now. So I, I really appreciate Bill coming on and giving us some insight into the the enforcement board and and the Tennessee dig law and how all that works. That's a, uh, r- really a thing that is out there for everyone to use at this point and I think there's a lot of times that uh, it gets underutilized, especially by contractors, afraid that uh, by turning in a utility that didn't didn't a proper properly locate that they're gonna kind of bite the hand that feeds, and that's not and that's not the case. You know, this uh, program was designed to be used across the board for everyone. So just keep that in mind, guys. If you're seeing consistent issues out there with locates and things that are going wrong and not being marked on time, being marked wrong that's what this program exists for so take advantage of it so with that let's get into a uh, 
couple of chapter announcements. Um, April 2nd, guys, the golf scramble for East Tennessee is coming up. That is uh, the end of this week, actually. A couple of days from the the date that this recording was released. That's uh, this Friday, April 2nd. Uh, got a full field on that one with 28 golf teams ready to go. Uh, but they are still looking for a couple volunteers to help uh, work some 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 of the different challenges and, and things they're going to have out there. So if you want to uh, volunteer to go out there to help with the East Tennessee Golf Scramble, get in contact with uh, uh, Wendy Mullins. Um, and then also, uh, Wendy has let me know that they have now formed their safety committee there for the East, chap- East Tennessee chapter. And Andy Graves from United Rentals is uh, stepping up and accepting the nomination as the chair of that committee. So they are currently working to put together some safety programs and classes and things of that nature uh, for the East Tennessee chapter. So if anybody's interested in serving on the East Tennessee uh, uh, safety committee, get in touch with Wendy. Uh, they need some, some people to step up and be a part of that committee. Uh, and then they are also putting together their workforce development committee. They are looking for some people passionate about connecting today's youth to, to tomorrow's workforce and, uh, and, and trying to, you know, get all of that stuff lined out with workforce development, which is a issue that we hear a lot across NUCA. So that's awesome to see those committees forming in East Tennessee. I know, uh, for us, when we started to get in the committees going that we have here in middle Tennessee, it's a challenge. Uh, so guys in the East Tennessee area that are listening, step up, get involved, get get on those committees because you can't shape the way you want these things to go unless you step up and get involved. So if you guys need to get in touch with Wendy, it's wendy at nuka.com or her phone number is 865-264-3233. So uh, that's, uh, that's how you get in touch with her to get, get, get involved and get on those committees. All right, and then uh, here in Middle Tennessee, uh, what we got coming up, guys, is uh, the safety and leadership for supervisors, April 7th, with Carl Vasquez. That's next week. Uh, you know, we've heard Carl on the podcast before. Uh, he's still pretty new into his job as the new director of safety for NUCA National, but he's a very experienced person with over 15 years of, of industry work, including with con- contractors, with OSHA, with the Transit Authority, risk management, safety consultant, kind of has a very rounded out view of the construction industry, and I think it's going to be really good. So April 2nd, uh, I'm sorry, April 7th, Safety and Leadership for Supervisors with Carl Vasquez. Uh, see your see your weekly emails from Natalie to get registered for that. Or if, if you uh, don't have that email, you just didn't just get in touch with Natalie at uh, midtn at nuka.com. Uh, and then we also have coming up uh, April 8th is at the Nashville Gun Club is our associate only event sponsored by Ferguson Waterworks, Team Construction and Cleary Construction. I want to get all of our associates together, you know, just give you guys an opportunity to network, to touch base, to, you know, help us make some plans for this chapter and provide some lunch and uh, some uh, some other things going on there that we hope to get a lot of benefit out of this, um, it, it, you know, for all the associate members and then later in april uh, we have our quarry site visit april 22nd at 3 p.m uh, rogers group uh, northern middle tennessee is uh, gonna host us give us a tour of the quarry and then afterwards we're all gonna get together at jonathan's uh, just down the road in hendersonville and uh, have a little happy hour and just have an opportunity to network with everybody 
So should be should be pretty awesome. Uh, and then we also want to go ahead and have you guys save the date for our second annual clay shoot, Thursday, November fourth at the Nashville Gun Club. Uh, so put that on your calendars. We're still working out some details. I think this year we're going to be trying to go for a full hunter clay shoot and make this event even bigger and better. So go ahead and put that on your calendars, thir Thursday, November fourth, uh, and then uh, and then we'll uh, you know be happy to get that going. Uh, and it looks like uh, I unfortunately had to miss it, uh, but it looks like the axe throw axe throwing event was pretty fun uh, last week. So. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Uh, it, I was, it was kind of a bummer. I had to miss it. It was uh, un unfortunately conflicted with uh, my kid's spring break, so we were uh, you know, out of, out of town for that, but it looked like it was a great time. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. So, guys, there's a lot of great stuff coming up out of Nuke of East Tennessee, Nuke of Middle Tennessee. Um, you know, a lot of opportunities to get in there and make your mark on Nuka and help shape this thing in the way you want to see it go. Uh, so... If you guys have any questions, get in touch with Wendy, wendy at nuka.com. Get in touch with Natalie, midtn at nuka.com, m-i-d-t-n at nuka.com. Super easy, uh, and we'll, we'll do our best to answer any questions you guys might have. So with that, guys, as always, uh, if there's anything you want to hear, let us know. Uh, if there's anything you want to follow up on, let us know. Um, uh, subscribe to the show so that we can see who's listening how many you're listening, what you guys are enjoying, what you're, what you would like to see more of, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, just uh, you know, kind of fill us in. Let let us know if, if what we're do, if you like what we're doing, if you don't like what we're doing. Um, you know, I'm okay with criticism. Uh, just be funny about it. You know, make me laugh, and then we'll we'll take a look at it. So, with that, guys, um, we'll we'll wrap this one up. So, y'all stay safe out there and keep digging Tennessee.